And all the parents in the room just got like, Ugh, I feel like I need to take a shower. Goodness gracious. Uh, anyone ever experienced those kind of messes? Oh, gosh. No fun, right? No fun. Uh, well, my name is Mark. Like I said earlier, we're starting a new series called This Messy Life. And uh, as I was preparing for this uh, series and this message, I started to think about all the ways in which uh, growing up, life was so easy as a kid. And I remember thinking, like, I, I didn't have to work for my meals. There was just three meals that would just land on the table, and I would come and eat, and I probably wouldn't say thank you, and, you know, my mom would quickly correct that. And then there, there was these, these, these toys that were just bought for me, and I didn't have to have a job or anything like that. Like, life was good. And then you grow up, and you're, like, in middle school, and you start to realize there's, there's a little more problem. Like, socially, there's, there's stress. And then you get into high school, and you get into college, and then mom and dad are kind of saying, like, you're going to start paying your own cell phone bill right now, like, right? Like, you're going to start paying for your own car insurance, right? And, you, and, then, you, and then you go get a job, and, and you realize uh, at some point down the line, you went from, like, your, your parents feed you, they give you toys, they give you everything you need to, I've got a job that stresses me out, and a mortgage, kids that throw tantrums, bills, and, uh, and every once in a while, I get to sit on the couch and relax. But, like, not all that often, you know? And you realize, like, life is kind of, difficult. Um, one of the things that I started thinking about was that how life is messy and how, how we've kind of got to this point where um, you can't even really have a conversation about what you believe anymore without it kind of getting messy. Um, and, and what I uh, think that I've been able to, to nail down today is I've got a solution. I've got a solution. And, and in fact, inside this box uh, is, is, is the, the, the thing that represents the, the solution. Um, and I think that if people were to grasp onto this solution, like, worldwide, like, we would probably see, like, terrorism stop, because that's a little crazy, right? There's no, there's no real good reason for terrorism. We'd probably see racism, and we'd probably see all those broken relationships and stuff heal. Um, and, and so I, I've brought this uh, for us today. And here's what it is. So Pepsi. Now, some of you are laughing because you're tracking with me, and let me fill the rest of us in. A few weeks ago, there was a commercial that aired on TV, and, uh, and it featured uh, uh, like a police, police versus this angry mob of people with signs, and there was like some protest, and, and obviously there's this like staging of like this, this current issue of like uh, police brutality versus like uh, people of color versus like we're angry about this and you know we don't get equal rights and 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 we want to be treated right and all this kind of stuff and out of the fray comes a hero, Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner steps in with a can of Pepsi in her hand, and then in this moment people are starting to kind of like look and like oh man I think. I think something's about to happen. People are getting chills, you know? And she walks up to the, co the, the cop and hands him a can of Pepsi, right? And, uh, and he takes a sip, and the crowd goes wild, right? There are people hugging, like the problems are solved. And, and, uh, and if you saw this commercial, maybe you're like, huh, a can of Pepsi. That's interesting. First of all, if we're going to, like, end, you know, the world's problems with something, it, it better not be, like, Pepsi because that's disgusting, right? Like, Pepsi is disgusting. At least start with Coke. Um, but secondly, there was an outrage of people rightly saying, oh, okay, so like Kendall Jenner hands a cop a can of Pepsi and like racism is over. 
and, and brutality is over, and, and terrorism is over, and the world's problems, and like, we're all friends now, right? Because she, had, and there was this backlash, and, and I'm not trying to pile on, all jokes aside, there was just kind of this moment where you, uh, you saw, you know, that just how messy things are, and, and so, and, and, and isn't that kind of interesting that, um, like, we can all laugh at it when it's Pepsi, but then sometimes it kind of touches our life, and we're like, ooh, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to say, what I'm not supposed to say, so I'm just not going to say anything at all. You've got those friends on social media that all they seem to do is get into fights on Facebook, and then you're like, I'm just going to post pictures of my kids and food, and that's it, right? People don't like pictures of food, but I'm not going to, like, get into, like, these kinds of conversations on social media, you know? And life is messy. And, and what's interesting that life can be messy for all kinds of reasons. It can be messy maybe because your mess is fears. Maybe you're afraid of, of what the world holds. Maybe I, I have a friend who literally, and maybe you've had this thought too, uh, I have a, one of my best friends said, I don't know if I want to have kids because I just don't want to bring a kid into like this world, right? And, and, so, and so some of us have fears and that's a little bit of our mess. Some of us have doubts. Some of us, maybe this is the first time you've been in church for a long time. We're so glad you're here. And maybe you left church because it was a bad situation. Maybe you were treated poorly. Maybe that you, were, you had your trust broken. Maybe, maybe you don't necessarily believe in God. You know, maybe that's a little bit of your mess. And maybe your parents grew up in church and took you to church and you don't go anymore. And your parents are always every Thanksgiving like, okay, are you guys going? And there's a little bit of like that there, right? Maybe it's the broken relationships that maybe that's the mess. Maybe that's the thing that like keeps you up at night, the thing that stresses you out. Maybe it's your marriage, right? Maybe it's parenting. If there's anything on this world that will stress you out, it's parenting, right? It's, it's, it's kids that, that you, um, I made the mistake of, we had our first kid. He's, he's now seven. His name's Kipton. And when we had our second kid, I thought, okay, well, Kipton slept at, um, through the night at six weeks old. So we can expect the second child to do that, right? wrong, right? Like, and we can expect him to like these things, so he will like these things wrong. Like, and, and then there's these moments where you just lose your sanity because you just don't know how to reason with this four-year-old that, like, just wants to scream. Maybe that's your mess. Maybe you're lacking purpose. Maybe you just, you wake up, you grind it out at work, you come home, and you medicate yourself with, with TV, with alcohol, with just maybe it's times with the guys, times with your friends, shopping, something. And you go to sleep and you look at the ceiling, you stare at the ceiling and you can't sleep. And you're like, I don't know what this life is really all about. And maybe that's a little bit of your mess. Now, if that were all it was, maybe that would be better. Because as I started thinking about it, you throw faith in the mix, life plus and it gets a little more kind of complex. Can we just be honest? People think Christians are weird, and people think church is boring, and they think that for a really good reason. Can we just be honest? I think that we're weird. I think that I'm weird. When I have conversations, I had a conversation with someone who, uh, let me just, if I can just be 100% transparent, and I didn't actually plan on saying this, so this may be one of those moments where I should have written this down and scratched this one out, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, I, had, I had a friend who, who it was in my backyard. She believed something completely opposite from what I believe, and she, uh, because our church is Southern Baptist, they support us, and that doesn't mean all the kinds of ugly things that people apparently think it means, because when I say people, we're Southern Baptist, we literally get this response. <gasps> and I get it. I get it. Why? Because people in all kinds of different churches have done some ugly things. 
right? And that doesn't mean that we write the whole thing off, but I had someone in my backyard, a friend of mine, someone who I love dearly say, now why, like, why Southern Baptist? Why not just Baptist? And I was like, uh, well, uh, it's a deep question. You know, she's like, cause you know, like they're known for hating gay people, right? And, and she's gay. And I was like, this is messy, just so messy, right? So like I'd, I wanted to speak with gentleness and kindness, but I wanted to also tell the truth about, you know, well, maybe, maybe not everything that you've experienced from a camp acts that way. It's messy. You, you, don't, you don't know how to have these conversations with people. You don't know how to act. You don't know how to move. And so we, we live in an, in an area, in a, in a culture where you're just kind of supposed to shut up about that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to talk about it. But here's what I think is really, really important for us to realize. And this is what the whole series is about. The whole series is about bringing some things down to some, some greatest common denominators, um, especially for Christians today. So if you're not a Christian, maybe you get to kind of peek in on our family meeting here, and that's okay. We're glad you're here. Um, but what we want to do, what I want to do, maybe this is just therapy for me, is just to pull back some things and say, like, if, 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 if all of these other things are not true, we can bank on a couple things. We're going to spend three weeks on this. Today we're going to talk about our messy faith. Next week we're going to talk about our messy marriages. Gulp, right? And then in the third week, we're going to talk about this messy church. But today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 9 for just a moment. And if you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back that you can have. You can take those home with you. It's our gift. Uh, But the verses will be on the screen for sure. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9. Um, One of the things that I want to do for us is to recognize while you're turning and and kind of prepping for, for... for the Bible study, uh, of course we believe some weird things, okay? So let's just talk about some weird things Christians believe. We believe in a talking snake, right? We believe in a talking snake that, that kind of tempted Adam and Eve, and, and, uh, and then the whole world kind of broke because of this one interaction with a piece of fruit. You're like, really? There's some pretty bad things happening in the world, and it was like eating a piece of fruit, it was the one rule, right? And they broke it. And what Christians believe is that that set this whole thing off course, where humanity and God... Are at, are at odds with We have a broken relationship that needs to be fixed that would eventually be, that price would be paid by Jesus. We believe that. We believe that God at one point, I'm just going to air out all our dirty laundry. Uh, <laughs> I want to establish some trust here, like I get it. Uh, we believe at one point, God spoke to a man named Abraham and said, I want you to sacrifice your only son. And then he lifted up the knife. He was that faithful. And some of you, you're like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't believe. That's okay. Like, just hang with me. And then in that moment, God said, no, 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 no. Don't do it. I see that you have the faith. Like, I see that you trust me. Um, like, we, but we believe in that. We believe in that's historically, like, happened. We believe that, that seas parted to let the Israelites through, and then they came back on the Egyptians, like, to, to, to kill them, to Pharaoh and, and his soldiers. We believe Crazy stuff like that. And some of us are like, well, maybe it was the equinox or it was the seasons. It was the high flooding. It's like, no, they're like, seas parted, right? Like Charlton Heston throws down his staff and, uh, and all of a sudden the laws of physics are no longer like true. We believe some weird things. We believe that the son of God was born in a manger next to, next to some barn animals using the restroom. Like it's that real. The son of God, the king of kings, the one who would change the world wouldn't come as this military leader, wouldn't come as this, this strong and, and brilliant, like he was brilliant, yeah, but he was a baby. He was a baby. 
And, uh, and we believe some, some, some crazy things. We believe that he did miracles. We believe that he started out with five loaves and two fish and multiplied it for like 15,000, 20,000 people. We believe that he raised people from the dead. We believe he rose from the dead. We believe all those things. And so when people don't believe those things, of course conversations get messy. But here's what I, I want to help us, and maybe help me, is that there's a couple things that I think that we can cling to to help us in maybe those moments where we're not quite sure what to believe or what to say. When those things are a little weird, when maybe we have conversations with people who don't believe the same way, there's these common denominators that we're going to end up at at the end of this service. In Acts chapter 9, we're going to meet a guy named Saul. Saul was a Jew. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was a, uh, he was a guy who was tasked with essentially breathing murder against the, the very first verse, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, Pause for a moment. That's what they called Christians. They didn't have the word Christians back then. Um, that would come later. Uh, but if, if, if there were any belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3, then he went on his way, approached Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Like total miraculous moment. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Which is maybe the most interesting verse in this whole story. Who are you, capital L, Lord? Who are you? I recognize that you're the king of kings and you're talking to me. Who are you, Lord? And he, and he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Verse six, but rise and enter the city. This is Jesus talking. You will be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground. Although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. He was essentially blinded. So Saul, who is, uh, is a guy who is essentially against the Christians, he is against the Jesus followers. He is trying to, to hold true to the Old Testament style of things because that's what he grew up with. That's what he was taught. That's what he believes. And these other guys must be uh, blasphemers. They must be against God. They must be against the true way. So he is getting permission to bind and essentially torture and kill these Christians. It's interesting because he would become a Christian. Now, when God saves Saul, who would later become Paul, who, by the way, would write a lot of the New Testament, would write a lot of the New Testament. It's like, that's messy. Um, he would later... Uh, uh, God would, would talk to a guy in, in, uh, named Ananias, and he would say, hey, Ananias, um, I need you to go meet this, this guy. Let's just say this guy. And uh, no big deal. Um, he's become a Jesus follower, and I need you to help him learn. I need you to help him uh, probably regain his eyesight because he's blind right now. He needs to take a minute. Um, his name's Saul, and all of a sudden Ananias has, like, chills down his back because this guy is notorious for killing Jesus followers. And so all of a sudden, Ananias starts having a conversation with God. He's like, well, I trust you, and I believe you. But I heard this guy has a bad reputation for like not liking people like me. Are you sure? And, um, and then in verse uh, 17, fast forward, chapter 9, verse 17, Ananias ends up meeting Saul. His brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which... Uh, you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. And he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized. This is, this is the story of a guy 
who essentially goes from becoming um, someone that does not believe in Jesus to someone who is all the way surrendered to Jesus, like all the way surrendered. And he's going to write verses all throughout the New Testament that we're going to quote almost every Sunday. I'm going to read them all the time throughout my life. 2,000 years later, like this guy is influential, but he didn't start out that way. And this is what is so messy about faith. Because we have to come to an agreement, and this is going to offend maybe, maybe a good number of you. God loves everyone. doesn't sound offensive. Until you think about all the people in the world that we don't love. Maybe there are enemies, right? Maybe there are family members that we try to avoid except for Thanksgiving dinner. But maybe they're the people we, we, we see on the news or the ugly things that happen in this world. And this is where I may lose you. And here's all I got to say. Like, I, I trust Jesus with everything in my heart. And because he sees like we don't see, here's what I want to help us understand. It's kind of a common denominator for us. God loves everyone and is reaching out to everyone to be reconciled back to him. Right? We're gonna, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But, but Paul is a picture of that. Paul is a picture of that. Paul is a guy who, um, before he's named Paul, he's Saul, and he's a guy who kills Christians. And he, uh, all the Jesus followers, are, are looking at a guy named Saul who's he's killed their friends, their family members. Now, if you're a Christian, are you okay with him just, like, repenting? Sorry for what I did to your family. Sorry for, yeah, it's kind of messed up, wasn't it? but I've changed my mind. And we as Christians, this is where faith gets kind of messy. We as Christians, we're kind of like, ah, I don't know that I trust you all that well yet. And what's interesting about this for me is that we have to remember that God does love everyone. Um, and because we're all on the same level, we talked about this a little bit last week, um, we're all on the same level because there's a verse in James 2.10 that would say this way. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all God's laws. And there's another offensive verse, right? Like, so you're saying like the white lie and the murder are like the same level? In God's eyes, in God's eyes, and I'm not God, but I, but I read about him, and here's what he says. As far as like our relationship, you have to be perfect to have a relationship with me. Now, Difficult, right? A little difficult, get it? But I've sent my son to be perfect, to be the perfect sacrifice, to be everything that you need to pay for that. But you have to accept that. You have to surrender that. Like, that's what Christians believe, and that's what non-Christians are kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that. And so something that's a little messy that we believe is that it doesn't matter what you've done. If we rebel against God in any way, it's, it could be lying, it could be stealing, it could be murdering, right? It could be any of those, like, pick pick whatever, you know, and any of those things, this is what the Bible would say, is that we have offended God with our sin, and we need a Savior, but he sent his son, right, that's the good news, he sent his son to pay for that, so if that's true, I have, because um, that's messy enough, that's, uh, I'm trying to boil it down to the, to the lowest, common lowest common denominator, uh, slow down and say that, um, 
there are four things that as I'm reading through the scripture, and I'm going to list them here on the screen in just a moment, there are four things that I believe are, are true. Now, I don't know uh, what your life is like, and so maybe these are brand new to you. Maybe they're not new to you. Um, but I would invite you, maybe challenge you, um, to either scratch these down or take a picture or something like that and just kind of th- think about these, reflect on these this week, and just challenge yourself. Like, open yourself up to God and see if these things may be true um, may be true, and maybe you would believe them, um, because I believe they are true. First, based on Scripture, we see that God, who created the universe and everything in it, knows you and loves you more deeply than you could ever imagine. God, who created the universe and everything in it, he knows Everything, he knows everyone. He knows all the thoughts. He knows all the struggles. He knows all those things that no one else knows. All those things that you hid from everybody, right? We're all, by the way, we've all got some skeletons. Let's just be honest, right? We've all got some like, oh, regrets. Like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, God knows, and he loves you anyway. That's what I believe. When, when the Bible says uh, that Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 31 would say that God has loved us with an everlasting love, let me find my scripture here. Yeah, he has loved us with an everlasting love. John 3, 16 to 17, we covered that last week, that, that God sent his son um, so that we could have salvation, so that we could believe in him and have eternal life. Uh, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And that seems offensive to some, right? Because God would also say, the, ne- the, the next couple things, okay, throughout Scripture. Let me, let me go ahead and uh, let me move forward. The second thing, God has seen you, seen you and me reject him in the past. He knows you'll do it again in the future, and he still sent his son to pay the price for that sin. God has seen you and me both reject him in the past. We've all done our fair share of saying, eh, I'll do life on my own. I think I've got a good handle on what I want my life to be all about. God has seen us choose our own path, and he still sent his son to pay the price for that sin. Oh, that's good news. Romans 5.8 would say it this way, that God sent his son, that while we were still sinning, um, that Christ died for us. While we were still sinning, God shows his love for us, excuse me, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, okay? So this is like all good news. It's all good news. Um, the, the third thing, when we repent of our sin and follow Jesus, this is what the Bible would say, we discover what life is really all about. And by the way, if that's a surprise, like welcome to church, this is kind of what we believe, and we know that it's a little messy. We know that it's a little exclusive. We know that it's a little uh, maybe offensive to some because here's what, here's what Jesus is going to claim, and this, I, I believe this with everything inside of me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Right? That's what Jesus would say. Jesus would say, no other way. So there's a lot of different uh, people that are going to say things like, well, don't you believe the same as this? Don't you worship the same God as this? And what Christians would say, if we're reading the Bible, okay, so Christians, by the way, Christians can say all kinds of things, but unless you tie it back to something in here, it's not really worth much. We put a lot of stake in what happens here, okay? Let me just, that's, and by the way, that creates a lot of our mess because God created us with a certain system. He's the creator, we're the creation. So we say, I want to operate like you created me to operate, right? So if it's in here, we go for it. And what Jesus says is like, I'm it. All those other systems, all those other people, it's all false. 
it's hard, right? Like it's, I know that's it's not necessarily popular, but that's what the Bible would say. The fourth thing. Christians are free to live in the grace of God, uh, but we'll never be perfect. At least not till we go to heaven anyway. Christians are free to live in the grace of God, but we'll never be perfect. That's why, by the way, if you are not a churchgoer regularly, uh, we look like we're hypocrites. <clears throat> it's because we are. <laughs> uh, can I just be honest? Um, I, I had a moment where I flew off the handle at my wife this week. Pastor Mark <laughs> flew off the handle at his wife this week. Can I just be real with you? Like, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I wish, I wish I was. I'm not. Um, it's why I need Jesus to be perfect for me to be my salvation for me. I apologize, by the way. Like, we're good. Uh, <laughs> you do that stuff before you go to bed, you know, or else you go sleep on the couch, and then, you know, you wake up, and you're like, oh, he's still mad? Okay, all right, yeah. So, uh, not perfect. And the reason that churches look fake, the reason churches look hypocritical is because we're all trying to figure this thing out, and none of us have really got it down yet. Um, we're going to see Jesus one day when we die, and at that point, we're going to understand more than we ever understood down here. Does that make sense? Um, and we're going to live in glorified bodies. And I'm getting into all kinds of stuff I didn't, talk, didn't plan to talk about. But, but the truth is, is that while we're down here, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. That's what we believe in. The, the scripture would say he indwells us and he walks with us throughout our life. And he helps us. And, he, and by the way, he convicts us. Sometimes he says, hey, hey, maybe don't fly off the handle at your wife. Can I wait to apologize, though, God? Is that like, because I'm not really ready yet, right? We don't have it all together. Like, Christians are messy. Of course we're messy, right? Because we're not perfect. And we don't believe anyone's perfect. Um, so I don't feel like any of this necessarily got any more clear. Can we... <laughs> It's still kind of complex. It's still kind of like, okay, well, so Jesus came to save people from their sin, but they kind of still sin and, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I get it. But here's what I want to say. Um, and maybe this is just the best way for me to help us understand. The band can go ahead and come on up as I close. Um, I do believe that God loves us. I do, do believe with everything that there was a, a, a man named Jesus who was the son of God who was sent down here and he lived like 33 years and, uh, and there's these last three years that we read about, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that we essentially just want to look at for the rest of our lives, to look at him as our example, to look at him for his sacrifice, to, to look for him for his surrender and all that stuff. And if all of that seems just a little bit like, yeah, but I'm not interested in, in all of your Jesus stuff. I'm not interested in all your, and I'm glad you're here if that's you. Um, here's what I would say. There's a picture for me that's most helpful when I look at all of this in Scripture. And that there's a story about this boy. There's a story about this boy, and he's going to end up uh, making a pretty bad decision. Um, and he is going to essentially um, get this picture in his head about what the rest of his life is going to look like. And he, he, he wants it, and he wants it now. You ever had that moment where you like you see that thing in the store window, and you're like, man, I don't have enough money, but I could put it on a credit card, or I could, you know, this guy was like, I want the life that I want right now. And he's going to go to his dad, and he's going to say, this is going to be awkward. Um, one day you're going to die, and I'm going to receive an inheritance. Can we pretend like that's right now so I can receive my inheritance and go ahead and leave? 
And all the parents in the room are like, murder him, right? Like, uh, again, hypocrite, right? Like, uh, murder? Uh, Like, yeah, you'd be angry. You'd be heartbroken. You'd be upset. You'd be sad because essentially his boy looks at his dad and says, if you were dead, I could have the inheritance. I could go ahead and live. Can we just go ahead and pretend that's how, can I have my inheritance right now? And his dad is, we don't have many details about what his dad does, but he does give it to him. And he goes off and he lives in this faraway land. And, and I picture it's like Vegas or something, I don't know. And he, he squanders it, right? Like, he, like we would if we won the lottery, uh, we would go and we would buy like really nice cars and we would stay in the nicest hotels and we would only eat steak ever, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we would run out of money really quickly. And, uh, and he does. He runs out of money. And then he's still a little too prideful to go back to his dad and, uh, and ends up saying, this isn't what I hoped for. <laughs> this isn't the life I really dreamed of. So he's going to say to himself, Maybe I should go back to my dad's house. Maybe he wouldn't take me as a son, but maybe I could just be an employee. Maybe I could work in the fields. Because what he was doing at that point was he couldn't even get a job to feed himself. He was, he was eating the things that the pigs would eat. That's the, the way the story goes. Um, he got so low that he was eating the things that pigs would eat. And so he's like, man, this is, this is too much. I'm going to go home. So he's on his way home. I have no idea how long away it was. But the whole way home, I imagine he's rehearsing this conversation, this speech that he's going to give to his dad. Right? Can you imagine the humble pie that you'd have to eat if you had to go to your family after a request like that? And he goes, And as the story goes, he's kind of breaching over the horizon. And his dad is like on the porch. Or he's, I don't know, maybe he's washing dishes and there's a window there or whatever. I don't know if you wash the dishes in those times. I don't know. Uh, But he sees his son coming from far off. And you get the idea that he's been waiting. And you get the idea that he's been looking. And he's been, he's just been like every night going to bed with sadness because today wasn't the day that my son came home. But this particular day, his son comes kind of breaching the horizon. He comes over the horizon. And what does dad do? Dad goes running. And all the parents in the room said, of course. Of course. Because there's not really many parents in the room that our first go-to would be like, no. No. He can wait it out. He can sleep outside. No, because he thought his son was gone forever. He thought his son was dead. As far as he knew, he would never see his son again. And so what does this father do? He goes running. I'm like full sprint. And he, he meets his son who, by the way, smells. And like he's been living with pigs. In those days, that was the dirtiest of the dirty, right? It was actually in the law to like not eat bacon and stuff like that, right? Terrible, terrible lifestyle they lived. Uh, so he, 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 he meets his son, and I imagine, I just imagine, this is just not in the scripture, but I just imagine that the son starts to say, Dad, and I, I can just, if, if it were my son, I would say, don't, don't. And so he hugs him, like you would. And, uh, and he brings him in, and he, he puts the robe on, the clean robe, right? He puts the signet ring back on him. He puts sandals on his feet. He, he brings him in, and he throws the party of the century. Why? Because his son has come home. And that's the picture. 
that we see of God. God is that Father. He's not this angry God up in the clouds shooting thunder strikes down on us if we get it wrong. He's a, he's a Father who desperately wants people to know Him, right? And He sent His Son so that we could know Him, so that we could have the right to become in right relationship with Him. And that's what this story is all about. It's not about don't do this and do this and make sure you go to church and give and all this kind of stuff. No, the Bible is a story of God running out to us wherever we are, wherever we've been through, whatever we're going through, to bring us home. And that's the picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So if at any point you've gotten this idea that Christianity is about people that think they have it all together, gathering and worshiping a a God that just hates people, you might have gotten it a little wrong because the picture in the scriptures is of a father who loves everyone and desperately wants them to come home. So in a moment, we're going to respond. In fact, why don't you go ahead and stand? You can close your eyes so we can have maybe maybe just a moment of, uh, of kind of privacy together as a group. Um, in this moment, I, I know there's a couple different kinds of people. I know that maybe you um, maybe this is not new to you. Maybe you've heard this story over and over and over again, and you're like, yeah. And I'm thankful again this Sunday morning to know that there's a God who loves me, that he didn't leave me out there on my own. And maybe some of you, you have been running. Right? You know what it's like to run. You know, you, maybe you had the wrong idea about God, that maybe that he wasn't a loving father, but maybe that he was just more just this angry God who sits up in the clouds casting down judgment. The truth is that God loves you and that he did send his son to pay the price of sin for us. And so if you are a person who this morning is discovering that for the first time, I want to invite you just to surrender your life to him. The scripture would say that if we call out, if we repent of our sin, right, that's part of it. We repent of our sin. We're not doing life on our own anymore because he's paid the price for that sin. We don't, we don't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps as Christians. Jesus has done the work for us, right? That's good news. So we repent of our sin. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and we surrender. We throw up the white flag and we say, I'm done trying, I'm done striving. That's the news of the gospel. So if that's you today, I would invite you just to surrender today. There's lots of ways to do that. You can pray a prayer. Uh, We've actually got a prayer team in the back that would love to guide you through that. If that's you, maybe you have questions. Maybe you're just like, man, I I just don't know. That's okay. If you have questions, I would love to talk to you after. The prayer team would love to talk to you right now. And maybe you're just going through something and you're like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I'm ready to make a decision right now, but I just need prayer because I've got some, some struggles going on in my life. Again, we would love to, to talk with you. So in just a moment, the band is going to play for just a couple moments. And this is just your time. This is your time. So I'm not going to necessarily go pull you out or anything like that. This is a decision between you and God. Okay, so maybe if we could just have a moment of privacy, uh, you know, kind of in this moment of, of, of just the songs playing, and maybe your eyes are closed, you can pray, you can worship, you can go back um, and talk to our prayer team. Whatever you need to do in this moment, this is your time.